0: Hello and welcome to Good News That Actually Is, where 3 to 5 sets you free to thrive. 3 to 5 minute encouragements to help your joy by empowering your soul. I am your host, Tim Ashley. Many of you could testify this morning that you prayed for healing before, but you didn't get it. Yeah? And uh, I I, want to talk about these things today. In fact, I've entitled this morning's message, Healing for Today and Always. Now, if I were to say to you that at the cross Jesus took your sin away completely, would you take issue with me? If I were to say that at the cross, Jesus became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God, would you take issue with me? See, I think it's safe to say that we agree that at the cross, sin was done away with and we were made righteous. Would everybody agree with that? After all, isn't that what the scriptures teach us? In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus took something upon Himself. He took upon Himself our sin, and He gave unto us His righteousness. So let me ask you a really important question. If scripture testified of other things being taken care of at the cross, would you be willing to agree with it and believe it? Now, it seems like it's easy enough. Sometimes it's a struggle, but for the most part, it's easy enough to believe that Jesus took our sin away, right? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And let's see something else that Jesus took upon himself. So that we wouldn't have to bear it. Matthew chapter 8 beginning in verse 14. We'll read through verse 17. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. When evening had come. They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. Praise the Lord. Now look at verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, do you have an expectation that since Jesus bore your sin at the cross, that he's going to give it back to you? In this recorded historical event, how many sick people did Jesus heal? And what does it reveal to us about why Jesus did that? Now, in many circles, it is taught that infirmities the infirmities that Jesus took was our sin. They teach that the healing promise is talking about our deliverance from sin. In fact, this is really prominent in denominational circles. But this prophetic promise Isaiah made is not attached to sin. It is attached in this instance in Matthew's Gospel to people who were either demon-possessed or sick in their bodies. There's no mention of sin where it is being applied. Now, since the Holy Spirit moved Matthew to testify that the prophecy is directly tied to healing sickness and freeing people from demonic possession, this amazing promise regarding Jesus is really beneficial to us today if we'll allow it to be. Now, we've already established clearly that Jesus took our sin at the cross. But here we are finding that Isaiah prophesied something remarkable that's also included in what Jesus did for us. Sin wasn't the only thing that Jesus bore on our behalf. And if we have no expectation that Jesus is going to give back to us the sin he took away from us, why should we have an expectation he's going to give back to us the sickness he bore on our behalf? It's worth thinking about, wouldn't you say? Now, developing a kingdom mindset involves renewing the mind by washing it with the water of the word. The word has to be allowed to challenge natural thinking. At the same time, what we choose to believe needs accurate biblical support to produce the fruit of faith that comes from hearing it. See, biblical faith sees God responding invisibly well before the visible even manifests. Biblical faith is not about what we can see. Basically, what biblical faith sees is God responding invisibly well before the visible manifest. In fact, when Daniel prayed, there's a point in which Gabriel appears to Daniel. And he says, I was dispatched the moment you prayed. But I was delayed by the prince of Persia. In other words, God sent the answer to Daniel's prayer instantaneously but the angel that was commissioned by God to deliver what was needed had to have warfare with the prince of the 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 principality over Persia okay he had to do warfare with the principality over Persia to get to Daniel what it was that Daniel was praying for so it wasn't that there was any reluctance on heaven's part There was no reluctance in the heart of God. There was no delay in the action of God. But there's warfare taking place here on this earth in the heavenlies. And sometimes the answer is dispatched. And that's when it's the most important for our faith to stand firm upon the word of the Lord. See, Daniel was praying according to the word of the Lord spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. There was no natural evidence of a release from captivity. None. But Daniel had read what the prophet had spoken and the time of the 70 years had come to fruition. And so Daniel believed he could pray In tandem with the heart of God on the matter and expect a response. But do you know what? The enemy fights the hardest over the things that are very important to us in our journey of faith with Christ. Those things that are meant to be of a high significance in our lives in this journey... The enemy fights those things the hardest. And heaven has dispatched a response to your prayer. But there might be something going on in the heavenly realm that's delayed its arrival to your ear and to your heart. And that's when you have to be able to stand in faith on what God had said. Are you hearing me? How many of you have gotten a word from the Lord before? And not too long thereafter, everything in the natural seemed to go against what you heard. I mean, you were so convinced. You shared with people. Man, the Lord spoke to me and told me. And man, I'm telling you. Oh, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And then a few days later, it still hasn't happened. And natural circumstances look like it's never going to happen. And you found yourself saying, well, maybe I didn't hear the Lord. See, that's exactly what the enemy wants. That is precisely what the enemy wants you to do. It's the question whether you heard the first place. Now, if what you heard you put to the test of Scripture and you found it confirmed as being in step with the character and the nature of God, okay, and this is some of the stuff we'll be touching on, is the nature of God, not just His ability, but His willingness. Many people are in touch with the ability of God, but they're not in touch with the willingness of God. And if you're not in touch with the willingness of God, you can know everything there is. You could be an expert on the ability of God, and it'll do you absolutely no good at all. Because somebody could have the ability to, like for instance, you could know somebody who's wealthy and you're behind in your bills. And you know they have the ability to pay off your bills. But if you're not convinced they'd be willing, you're reluctant to even go there with them to start with. See, it's whether or not you believe there would be any measure of willingness on their part that would even enable you to start the process of even asking for their help. If you don't believe they're willing, you know what you do? You look to some other place for your help. Part of what's affecting the body of Christ in this hour is not questioning God's ability. It's questioning God's willingness. Let's continue to build on this. This is why our minds need renewal, saints. They need to be washed. At the same time, what we choose to believe needs to be an accurate, biblical, foundational truth. It needs biblical support to produce the fruit of faith that comes from hearing it. Biblical faith sees God responding invisibly well before the visible manifest. And biblical faith is not about what we can see. It's about believing what we cannot see. Natural vision can fail you, but spiritual vision unlocks opportunity and possibility in your life. Under natural thinking, it's much easier to see how far from the mark we are than it is to see how righteous he has made us. Isn't that true? When you get your natural eyes all all activated on your life and you start looking inwardly at how big a failure you are, it's the easiest thing in the world to believe that you're a failure, isn't it? Look, Why would God love somebody like me? I just blew it for the 92nd time on the same thing. So why would he be accepting of me? Why wouldn't he be just letting me have it? I mean, he should be taking me behind a woodshed right now and just blistering my backside. That's how we think in the natural, Right? And it's the easiest thing in the world to go there. But see, faith sees something different. Faith sees that the Lord sees that we are weak and frail in our humanity. Come on. And he pities us. And he's prepared to help us at the mere request for his help. If we go to the throne of grace and we request Help will receive mercy to help us in our time of need. It is a guarantee that that's what you'll get, right? But how many are reluctant to go to the throne of grace even because they're so naturally convinced of their own unworthiness? Natural thinking, it's much easier to see how far from the mark you are than it is to see how righteous he has made you. It takes faith to see yourself as righteous in the way Scripture declares you righteous in Christ. You can only operate in that level of understanding by faith. Listen to me. You cannot academically possess what I'm talking about. You have to possess this by faith. Faith, there's a way to get that. You know what I'm saying? Now ideological opinions and and pleasant sounding phrases can sound good. They can even sometimes be useful to alleviate disappointment in an uncomfortable moment. How often when we're messed up and everything else are we trying to find people who agree about how messed up we are? Sometimes we're more earnest in trying to find someone who will agree with how big a wreck we are than we are in finding someone who would disagree with us on the basis of spiritual reality versus the natural. But ideological opinions and pleasant sounding phrases, as, as good as they may seem, It doesn't make those things solid biblical faith builders. It doesn't make it that. See, you need to know what God says about himself, his character, and his heart towards you. Because knowing his heart towards you is where you discover just how willing he is in specific areas of need. Once we know his heart, we know his willingness, and we already know that he's able. And this is the kind of knowledge that unlocks for us faith. See, your faith is not built in an abstract concept. Biblical faith is rooted in a person. That person being Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit, right? Biblical faith is rooted in a person. And not only in a person, but what that person is like based on what you understand currently. And not only what they're able to do, but what they're willing to do. Faith is built on that. And this is why it is so critically important to wash our minds regularly with the truth of Scripture when it's trying to reveal to us what God is like. There's all kinds of advice available today. Now that social media has such a far-reaching platform and multitudes think Google can supply the answer that they're looking for, I've got some, I've met some people that built their theology off of Wikipedia. That's scary. But the wisdom of giving serious consideration to what Scripture says will never be outdone. That will never be outdone, saints. So we should consider what it says in Romans 10 17 when it says simply this. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Now, the word of God there is not merely a logos word of God. It is a Rhema word of God. It's an active living in the now moment word from God that activates faith. If you were on a stretch of highway that said 55 miles an hour and the police officer monitoring that stretch of highway pulled you over right as you got on it just to tell you that I want you to know that today I've determined to give you a special privilege. I'm going to monitor everybody else for the speed limit, but I'm not going to monitor you. Here, I'm going to write it out and sign it so that you have it in a written testimony from me to you so that you can know you can drive as fast as you want in this stretch of highway today and not have anything happen as a result so long as you can control your automobile now for you to go past 55 you're going to have to believe what he just told you and what he just handed you in written form right otherwise you're not going to go there you're just not going to do it but if you believe it and you're like me this is a golden opportunity to find out what this puppy can do. Right? No ticket, no ramifications, no na- Well, let's let's do this. Better make sure I got plenty of gas cuz we're going to we're going to burn some of that out today. See the rest of you suckers. <laughs> What's a behind me doesn't matter. You know? I'm gone. I am going to test that. I'm going to go there because I believe that what he just told me was true. And I'm going to enjoy a freedom that I would not ordinarily have. Right? Anybody catching this yet? Come on. You see, something happens in us. When we believe God is speaking clearly to us, something happens. There is a confidence of faith that comes when you know that you know that you know that God has revealed the truth to you very clearly. You can't help but feel strengthened and your resolve to act is bolstered. Bobby, how many times do we go to Taft Youth Correctional Facility, just the two of us? We get there. And they would meet us, and they'd say, we're sorry, guys, you can't go in tonight. And we'd say, no, you're mistaken. And they'd say, what? You're mistaken. We're not challenging your authority, but listen, give us a minute to pray. What's been missing from the kitchen will be found, and we'll have our meeting. And they'd say, no, you don't understand. We're, mi- we're missing five knives. We're in lockdown. I said, but guys, can't you just work with us? Give, us? give me and Bobby five minutes to just pray. And if the Lord tells us it's a no-go, we'll go home. But if he tells us that we're here and we're to do this, I'm telling you the knives will be found. And they, okay, we'll go ahead. So Bobby and I would just grab hands right there in that little corridor and we would pray in front of the officer. And then his radio would go off. We found all the knives. The ones we found, they're locked in. Everything's a go. <laughs> He'd get on the rail. Well, we have those two guys that come on Sunday evenings out here. Should we send, <laughs> send them on back? Hallelujah. Am I lying? Hey, me, How many, many, times. Yeah, many times. Many times. When you know that you have heard the Lord authoritatively speaking on your behalf, you are empowered to go forward. You can go forward. It, natural circumstances do not have to line up. Remember Peter's in the boat. He says, well, if that's you, Lord, bid me come to you. There is no way... That you can scientifically ever say that the natural circumstances of a rocky tossing sea will ever support the weight of a man to walk on it. But hearing the voice of Jesus say, It is I, is all it took for Peter to step out of the boat. And you may say, well, yeah, but when the waves gone up, uh, he said, hey, the dude walked on water, folks. Come on. Yeah, they they out there. He walked, he defied the natural laws and walked on water. That's pretty incredible. I mean, really, that's incredible. There is no way that a little boy's lunch should feed 5,000 people. But it did. But it did. You see, the Bible is not filled with stories that say that you ought to get jaded, that you have to have a natural, logical explanation to everything before you'll step out and go toward what God's calling you to go toward. God is constantly asking us to take a step of faith with Him so we can go on a venture with Him. How many of your parents like taking your kids to an amusement park? How many of you are taking your kids to Dollywood or Disney? Uh-huh? Or someplace exciting that you deem to be, be exciting, some kind of adventure? Why did you do that? So they'd have a story in their life, right? A memory, a a story, something that built something into the relationship between you and them that was exciting. And life felt like living, man. God is no different in your life. God wants you to know and to feel that you are living. You are living. It's important to him as a father. You can't help but feel strengthened when you hear God speak to you. And your resolve to act is bolstered and it provides you with clear direction. I remember telling my oldest son, he was four years old, and he came to me, he said, I want my training wheels off. I said, okay, you sure about that? He said, yeah. I said, you can do this. I know you can do it. He said, I know too. I said, you, gonna, you want me to help you get this? He said, no, folk can do anything. I said, I believe you. Go at it. Took his training wheels off, got on his bike, toppled once, Got pulled it back up, got on it again, toppled second. Third time he was riding. End of story. Because... He believed it. He believed it. See, some of us believe that we could learn anything that we need to. To be empowered to do anything that we need to do. People call me a jack of all trades, master of none. I was asked one time by a guy, he says, how do you know all that you know? I said, I believe there's not anything that if I'm taught, I can't do it. I really do believe that. I could fly a plane if somebody taught me to fly a plane. I could fly a helicopter. I could pilot a large ship. I could, you know, come on. I I believe that. I really do believe. I believe God has given us an ability As human beings, if we are teachable and open, we can learn just about anything that we are excited to learn about and use in life. Now, how skillfully you do something, like for instance, I can take a circular saw and I can cut a straight line. There's a lot of people that know how to pull the button on a circular saw, but they can't cut a straight line. because I can do it because I've done it so many times. When you've done it, a lot of times your motor memory is activated in your physical body, and now it's like a second nature to you. That doesn't mean that somebody that can't cut a straight line yet doesn't know how to cut a straight line. They do. They just need to get used to how the saw works in their hand, where to position themselves. I had to teach my son-in-law, Justin, don't get over the top of the saw. Get behind the saw. Watch the line. Follow the line. It'll be straight every time if you'll do it. Push the saw. Don't hover the saw. If you hover a circular saw, you're never going to get a straight line unless you've got a cheat bar. Come on. Just tricks of the trade. Where do you get those? Somebody teaches them to you. That's how you get them. How did I learn to cut a straight line with a circular saw? I asked somebody who knew how, how they got such a straight line. They only had to tell me one time. I was so convinced that they knew what they were talking about that I began to implement that practice in my use of a circular saw from that moment forward. That's all it takes for any human being is to become convinced that they are hearing from someone who knows well enough and they're good to go. My four-year-old son heard from his father, I know you can do this. That's all he needed. Because he believed I knew that he could do it. And that if I thought he couldn't do it, I would stop him from doing it. And I wasn't about to stop him. Besides, if he hadn't accomplished it even any quicker than what he did, I'd have been enjoying the moments along the way. Is anybody getting this? This is why we need to do more than just casually read the Scriptures. See, we need to chew on the things that God speaks to us directly with regard to Jesus and what He accomplished and and how that's intended to affect our lives. We don't need to just hear it in passing. We need to meditate on these things. Now, in many places, God reveals His motives for declaring a promise and what He did to make certain it was established. In fact, he communicates this for us to have faith and be able to trust him. Isn't that what Matthew does? Matthew reveals an attitude of heart that flows from the the Father in heaven through his son Jesus here on earth in a circumstance, in a specific context. Now, they were pretty comfortable. They probably were relaxing at Peter's house. Think about it. They could have, like most people, said, man, we just got settled in. Don't trouble us with this stuff. Come back tomorrow if you're serious. But Jesus was here to manifest the heart of the Father. Can I tell you, the Father is never bothered by your problems. No matter when they happen, how often or how severe, there's never a moment in heaven, that the Father says it's not a convenient time. Now, human beings, it might be in a convenient time. But your Father in heaven is never going to tell you, I'm sorry, but I'm busy with 145 million other issues that are much larger than yours at this moment in time. This is just, an, just hey, come back tomorrow. He doesn't do that. He's ready right then to hear you. He's ready right then to hear you. Isn't that amazing? See, you need to think about that. He communicated in Matthew through the Holy Spirit, inspiring Matthew to write what he wrote. He communicated the heart motivation behind why Jesus set free every demon-possessed person that came and healed every sick person that came. Why did he do it? So it would be fulfilled. What? What the prophet inspired by the Holy Spirit many generations before said about him. What did that prophet say? he himself he took upon himself our iniquities and our infirmities and bore our sicknesses i mean if your parents have ever had your kid get sick and you say i wish i could be sick and not them they're miserable how is it you can be that good and god can't where do you think you got that attitude to begin with? See, I'm just trying to convince you of the goodness of your God. <laughs> Will you let me do that this morning? When you think about that, should it be thought of as being selfish or weird to consider how we might be benefited and blessed by God in this life. But yet there's, there's groups in Christianity that would try to tell you that that's just really weird. And selfish on your part. So the next time your kid asks you for supper, tell him you go find something to do and quit being so Selfish. The next time they're sick and they come to you and say, "I don't feel good," my oh, get up, just go, quit being so selfish. Here's my list for Christmas. (laughs) Set it on fire. You're not going to be selfish in this house. You see how, how how absolutely absurd all this sounds. And then you talk about the goodness of God and what's available to his children. And and we're made to feel like something's off. Something must be off. This can't be right. And I refuse to be that selfish. I'm not going to trouble God with this little petty nonsense. There are some things that people accept that are contradictions when you really think about it. Now, I've heard people say that it was God's will that they were sick. Stay with me. They will say if it was His will that they be whole, they would be whole. That's their reasoning. And there's a lot of misunderstanding in that kind of statement. Now, the same people who say that go to the doctor and take medicine to get well. If it were God's will, someone is sick, would it be a direct violation of his will to seek to get well? If it's God's will that your child is sick, are you violating His will if you give them medication to make them feel better? Many needlessly suffer due to a lack of understanding how the kingdom of God operates. Even in the natural, people are prone to think, that broken things should be fixed. Even unsaved people care about the health of other people and seek to do something about it. And with regard to heavenly intervention, it can help to know that God doesn't arbitrarily impose His will in our lives. He patiently waits for us to capture His heart for us. And it's not enough to just know about his ability to do things. We need to also know about his willingness to do them. Especially in our own personal situations. See, he loves you very personally and is for you very personally. And we don't think it's strange if someone seeks to help a person they know who is sick to get better. We don't find that strange. We don't go around criticizing People who are doing everything they know to do to make someone well. So why should it be strange to imagine that God, as a father, would have such a desire for his children as to see them well? Now, I praise God for doctors and medical professionals because they're doing God's will in this earth whether they realize it or they don't. They're doing His will. God's will was and is for His creation to be healthy and whole. That is God's will. So I'm not against doctors and medical professionals seeking the well-being of others. And when a child gets sick, they don't ask for the doctor. It's not your kid who asks for the doctor when they're sick. They ask for the person they're in closest relationship with. They ask for mommy or daddy. That's who they ask for. They want their solution to come from the one they believe loves them the most. That's what they're doing. Mommy and daddy will do all they know to do to get that child well too. And on their own because in their heart of love, their will is for their child to be well. They'll first start on their own implementing intervention. And let's, let's just consider it this way too. How many of your parents, when your kid is sick and they come to you, even at one in the morning, and you touch your forehead and they got fever, and they tell you they feel bad, and you say, I can't believe You interrupted my sleep for this. You go back to bed. We'll deal with this in the morning. And don't you dare bother me again until I'm up and I call on you. But that's how some people view healing with God. Well, when God's good and ready, God will heal me. He doesn't want to be bothered by me right now. This might not be the right moment in time. I shouldn't be approaching him right now with this issue. If it's that important to him, he will take care of this. You would never, if, if, if a parent told you, yeah, my kid came last night. They were burning up with fever." I sent them back to bed, man. You ain't interrupting my sleep. You'd be calling child services on that parent. Come on. But yet we think it's okay to think that way toward God. You see how there's so many contradictions out there? And how easy it is for us in the natural to embrace those contradictions as though they should be considered normal. They're not normal. You have a heavenly Father who loves you. He is for you. He's not against you. He has promised you in His Son everything that you need. Everything that you need. Did you know it's one thing to take a vow of poverty and it's another thing to think that being poor makes you more spiritual because God wants you to be poor? And then if you go out and try to earn a wage to get you above the lowest poverty level, are you violating God's will in doing that? Every time that you've sought to get a raise from your boss or ask for a different job that pays you better and supplies more for your household, did you violate the will of God? When you start thinking about these things, you start realizing, wait a minute, I have, I have held myself back from probably a whole lot of opportunity because my thinking wasn't quite right. But I'm not going to get stuck in what I've missed out on. I'm going to get stuck in the way I need to think now so I can go forward because God can make the thief pay back seven times what he stole from you. If you don't get these things, you settle. You know what I mean? to settle. Well, I don't believe the boss is willing to give me a raise, so I ain't going to bother him with it. I'll just keep working my fingers to the bone I remember going in, and Sheila could testify to this. She'll tell you it's true. I, I go in. I was at SNME. I helped them launch the company here in, in the Knoxville area many years ago. And the position I wanted wasn't available at the first. I told the guy who was interviewing me at the time, he said, What position you want? I, said, I told him what it was. He said, That's my position. He said, So what's your goal? I said, Take your job. Yeah. He laughed. He said, Well, that's a noble aspiration. I said, I'll have it in one year. And he laughed again. He said, we're going to hire you because you've got some spunk. I said, well, okay. And one year I had his job. And one year I had the guy's job, just like I told him I would. I didn't lie to him. I wasn't dishonest. I didn't go behind his back. I did right in his face what I said I was going to do because that's what I wanted. Then when they brought me in for an evaluation at the end of the year, I'm sitting in front of the manager's desk the, the branch manor, manager, and he's sitting there telling me, he said, I wish I had 10 more employees like you. I said, you do? He said, yeah. He said, man, your work ethic, the way you go at things, how thorough you do it, man, you just, man, you brought stuff you didn't reveal to us you had. I said, well, that's, that's well, nice. What's my raise going to be? So he wrote on a piece of paper, slid across the desk. I looked at it. I turned around. I slid it back. I said, all of the things you just said must be False. He said, what do you mean? I said, that number you wrote on that piece of paper ain't reflecting what I heard come out of your mouth. I said, that number needs to get a little closer to what I think I'm worth. He asked me what it looked like. It was a couple dollars more than what he had on the piece of paper per hour. And he looked at me for just in still silence for what seemed like an eternity. The both of us having a stare down across the desk. And he finally says, I don't know why I'm doing it, but okay. I wasn't about to settle for you just saying nice things about me. If you believe those things, then let your behavior line up with it. See, I could have gone in and just settled. And there's a lot of people living their lives like that right now. They are settling for less than God's best for them because they don't understand. And I want to help you understand, if I can. God has ascribed a worth to you, a value to you. Just as a kid goes to mommy and daddy because of the relationship, the trust, the love, everything is there. We should be able to go to our father in heaven. If what we have is relationship and not religion. Religion can't go. Religion can't do it. So should faith for supernatural healing from a loving heavenly father be considered strange by comparison? Should it be strange? This is why who we allow ourselves to listen to and take advice from matters tremendously in our lives. You need to be picky. You need to be picky. It's why being in the Word of God, chewing on important passages as they pertain to our life and situations is even more important to us. How did God respond for that one? Well, my dad bought my older brother a car, but he ain't going to buy me one. Any of your parents ever do that to your kids? You bought something for one kid, and when it came to other kids' time, you said, nah, we're not going to do that for you. You're going to have to work your way. Or were you consistent? Or maybe your policy was you... Can work and save your money, and I'll help you. I'll go one half. You'll get a car, and we'll make sure there's insurance on it, so you can't get yourself in any kind of trouble. But you're gonna, you're gonna have your car, and you're gonna drive. And you did that with every kid. How is it you're consistent and he's not? When the scripture testifies that he's no respecter of persons. What he did for your sibling, he'll do for you. You guys, are you getting this? Because this ought to excite you to, to, the, to the mountaintops. Be picky about who you listen to. Chew on those passages that you need to chew on. Thanks for tuning in today. Never forget that you are loved by a faithful God whose obedient son, Jesus Christ, willingly died on a cross so that you can live today and always from the abundance of his life in you. Please subscribe and share this with others so that they too can experience the three to five that sets you free to thrive. And be sure to tune in next time to good news that actually is. Please visit us at our website, goodnewsthatactuallyis.com. There you'll find transcripts of the program, video files, and other opportunities. We look forward to visiting with you there and ask you to subscribe. Have a great day.